Good morning, church. What a beautiful, what a beautiful day in the house of the Lord. Amen. You know, that last song we sang, Defender, has really been the theme of our women's sisterhood, right? Every time we sing it, I think it brings all of us to a special place. And uh, it's heartfelt. So thank you for singing that today. Um, I want to wish all the women, all the moms, a happy Mother's Day. I wish, if we're able to wish, uh, my mother's in heaven now, so my, my, my love goes up to her, and I know she's in a better place, but I miss her. And, uh, but I'm happy to say happy Mother's Day to my mother-in-law, Margaret, if she's tuning in this morning. And uh, she, she is my mom on earth now. She's a beautiful, wonderful woman who has poured into my life. So we want to celebrate all of you. We're going to have our ushers come up. And if all the moms could stand, we're going to hand out a flower to you. And as they do that, and also a special journal that was uh, made and designed by Juanita. Um, Thank you, Juanita, for singing Defender as well. It was beautiful. So for those we call mothers, whether they're biological, adoptive, foster, our spiritual mother, Mothers by birth, by marriage, by choice. Thank you to you for making sacrifices that were never seen, for taking risks that perhaps were never recorded, for loving us more than we deserved. We know that those there are those out there that long to be mothers, and they're wanting to do it God's way. They're waiting to meet someone. They want to get married. They want to have a family. And we we pray for them. We tell them God is with you. He hears you. We say that God is with those who hope and pray month after month. They're waiting, waiting for God to bring you a child, riding the roller coaster of hope and disappointment, faith and fact. God is with you, and we love you, and we're praying for you. We lift up those who have held a child in your womb or in your arms and later committed them to God's eternal embrace, For those who have walked through the valley of the shadow of death with Father God, who also knows what it is like to bury a child, God is with you. For for those of you who are faithful to nurture a child in your womb and then in love placed your baby in the arms of another on behalf of all adoptive mothers everywhere, thank you for your courage. Thank you for your sacrifice. Our prayers are with you. And for those of you in fear and confusion, you made different choices with your pregnancy. Please know that there is forgiveness because 2,000 years ago there was a barren place. In that barren place stood a splintered cross, and on that cross hung our Savior, Let this day speak of hope and new beginnings of Jesus' tender invitation to know peace by knowing him. Today is a new day for all of us. And I, Mom, I want to encourage you from Romans 12, 12, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. In Ephesians, it says, Honor your mother and your father, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. 
So moms, happy Mother's Day. I know tears come as mothers, even if nothing sad has happened. You just have tears of, of rejoicing in your children. Uh, but those of us have tears perhaps with children of who have gone a rough road or experiencing difficulties. And, and as mothers, you share that with them. And for those who want to be moms. So let us pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for knowing us before we were formed in our mother's womb. And as a result, for giving us life through our mothers. We pray, Lord, that you will bless and fulfill all the moms here today with your love, your comfort, and joy. And in your name we pray, amen. And I want to say to all of you, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. And I hope you all feel loved and appreciated today and have a most special Mother's Day. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. I, I want to say a pastoral prayer. Can I do that? I, there's one thought that, that comes to my mind for all the moms. One of the last things that Jesus said as he was on the cross dying for our sins, remember what he said? He said, John, behold your mother. Mary, uh, mom, mother, behold your son. He took care of, he made sure his mom was taken care of. That speaks volumes through the generations. So moms, Pamela, you said it beautifully. That was a great presentation. I just want to say a little prayer from, as your pastor. Father, Lord God, we thank the moms of this church. We really do. There's so much that goes on behind the scenes that we don't see. But if, we're, if we have a mom or we have a wife that is a mom, we kind of get a different perspective. We see so much. But, Lord, there's so much that's done with our children, their children, their grandchildren. We just pray, Lord, that you would continue to strengthen them and, and uh, uphold them. And let them remember one of the last things you said, Lord, while you were on earth was, John, take care of your mother. And mom, mom, this is your, your new son. And so we pray, Lord, that all the moms would be well taken care of in every way. And so we thank you for them. Let it be a, a special day for them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, good morning. This is my missions report for today. I have a scripture, which is Jeremiah, and I think many of you know this verse, but I'm going to read also the two verses that follow. Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. That's a promise from the Lord. Um, so I'm going to give uh, news on three missionaries, uh, Mike and Polly Brown. They came up here last uh, fall for, um, for the uh, missions committee. And uh, they have a couple of praise reports. They said God is faithful. Uh, we are so grateful to have funds needed to leave for Bolivia, having raised their minimum monthly report, uh, budget. Um, and the kids' passports were processed quickly. That's, that's important when you're a missionary. <laughs> 
we have all the necessary papers, paperwork to leave and leave and work on visas for the youngest two children. They have one that's two, maybe three or four months now. Um, uh, God opened doors for them to register their kids in school this month, uh, meeting a challenging deadline with the paperwork from the U.S. and paperwork arranged by their lawyer in Bolivia. Some of the luggage arrives safely at their friends in Miami, and then they'll have it sent to them. But they were traveling with a lot of luggage. They have three children, and um, they got there safe. Prayer requests for them is continued health in every area of their life. Uh, everyone's uh, tests came out negative and on time. That was one of the prayer requests that they had. Uh, for smooth and safe travels, especially with a two-and-a-half-month-old baby and uh, much luggage to bring with us. And, fit, and favor with immigrations and customs, that's also a, a nightmare that you can possibly go through. We, Bill and I have been through that with a team of 13. So that was a little nightmare. But um, And uh, for the right house for them to rent, and then the first steps in reestablishing and establishing ministry in Bolivia. Um, the second mis- group of missionaries, that, uh, uh, second uh, missionary that I'm going to speak to, oh boy, sorry, sorry about that, is Stephanie Clark from Amira, and they're located in Danvers. This is a ministry that we support, and they um, bring women out of the sex trade and uh, that want to be brought out of there. And then they train them, they uh, uh, develop them, and, um, and are um, put in homes where they're safe. So they've had an increase of women, which is good, but that also has other issues. Some of them have uh, addiction issues, and so they're praying for the right staff. They're praying for uh, barriers um, to be uh, ex- uh, broken down. Uh, for certain uh, ladies that are in the ministry. And uh, they have um, also, uh, for one of the graduates that is going to start work, which is really good, and uh, they, they're they having problems with their family. Uh, they also want to um, have an... Uh, they also have openings for people to work, and they're praying for that God would bring the right people there. That's like with a social background. They also have uh, needs for people. If anyone wants to um, volunteer, uh, they, like taking people to appointments in different places, and that's really good. They need to do that. They, were, they, are, they just had a change in leadership. Uh, Stephanie ends her tenure, and uh, the new CEO will commence on that same day, which is April 15th, which is last month. The third missionary and last missionary is uh, Craig and Lani Soderberg. Um, they have requests. Um, they are translating the Bible. They finished Luke, and so now they're going to start with Mark. And they're asking for prayer so that they can get potential other people, missions, um, to help them translate the Bible. And I think that's so cool that uh, they're translating it into the Banjar um, language. 
and my prayer for our missionaries. Father, as we watch and pray for your return, it's very evident that you'll be returning soon. And while we wait for you, we continue to pray for victory, for those fighting in the freedom for the Ukraine, for the revival that is occurring there in that war-torn country. And Heavenly Father, let your spirit fall in Ukraine and have mercy and protection on those that know you. And Lord, those who don't, give them an opportunity to know you and accept you as their Savior. We also ask, Heavenly Father, for the work our missionaries who are busy in in the field um, to outreaches for children, for the nations in the Pacific Ocean, and for other parts of the world, Lord. We ask that you will bless their travels, that many are coming back home to itinerate, Lord, for funding. And Father, I also ask that they would have a productive fundraising for your fur- for furthering your kingdom, Lord. I also continue to ask for the Tonga Nation, have mercy on their reconstruction process, and uh, Lord, that they will be able to raise the monies and the funds that they need. Father, we join them in prayer that they will be able the rest of fun, rest of their funding. I ask these things in your precious and holy name, in, in the name above all names, Jesus. Amen. Where are we going? Uh, we're going to continue uh, the the uh, study we started last Sunday uh, as we go through verse by verse in Second John. Uh, this week we're entitling the message "Walk in Love." We're going to be looking at verses five and six. Uh, last week, if you missed it, we went through verses 1 through 4, which was entitled Walk in Truth. So let's, let's go there, and I'm going to read verses 5 and 6. And now I plead with you, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. This is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment. That as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. Father, Lord God, thank you for your word. Your word is precious. Your word is alive. Your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. I ask you, Lord, help me to deliver this message the way you want. Let it be pleasing to your ears. Let it fall upon ears that want to hear. May it accomplish what you wanted to accomplish today. Anoint me with your Holy Spirit. Anoint the hearer with your Holy Spirit. That we're not just hearing uh, words. We're hearing the word of God. So we welcome your presence, Lord. And thank you, Lord, for the service so far. Thank you for a time of worship. Thank you for a time of prayer. Thank you for a time of honoring the moms. Thank you for the missions report and the offering. Lord, now it's time to get into your word. So, Lord, let us, let us have ears to hear, eyes to see what you would have for us this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. So uh, walk in love uh, based on verses 5 and 6. These two components, if you remember last week, um, they they form a great bond that creates a great wisdom, love and truth. Let me put it this way. Love without truth is aimless. Truth without love is meaningless And one without the other is powerless. But together, love and truth are powerful. And there's great power and great wisdom when there is love and truth. Paul said in Ephesians uh, uh, 4.15, he said, To speak the truth in love, 
so that the saints of God will come to maturity in all things. So uh, love and truth is a remedy for immaturity. Love and truth is a remedy for stagnation. Love and truth is a, is a remedy for being weak or unproductive. Uh, love and truth will give to us a jolt of spiritual reality when it's done the right way. I wonder if anyone has ever had uh, someone say something to you in love and in truth. I, I have in, in my life where a pastor or a different leader would come to me and, and talk to me very directly about a situation in my life that needed to be addressed. And they could see it and they spoke to me in love and in truth. It had a profound impact on my life. And we need to be willing to receive those moments when they present themselves to us. Last Sunday and last Thursday, and thank you, by the way, for those that were here for National Day of Prayer last Thursday night. Had a great prayer time with different church leaders and people from the community. But I shared uh, on Thursday and last Sunday, you may remember, uh, a little, a little uh, portion of when Jesus was standing before Pilate. If you remember the story, we find it in John 18. And Pilate says to Jesus, I'm not a Jew, but the Jewish people brought you before me. And uh, he says, this sentence is, is this in my heart. What have you done, he says. And I think if we could paraphrase that, I would say it like this. Pilate saying to Jesus, what in the world could you possibly have done to be in the situation you're in, standing before me, What have you done? And Jesus very humbly says, I've come to bring a new kingdom. He says, so you are a king. He says, yeah, I am a king, but my kingdom's not here. My kingdom will be such that will bear witness to what? To the truth. And Pilate says, what is truth? And Jesus steps back and doesn't say a thing. And he was silent. Remember the scripture says he was silent as a lamb as he was led out to the slaughter. And so, so this, this saying of what is truth is, is kind of burning in my heart. Like, why, why is the church, how can we say this? Let me put it this way. Why is it every church overflowing with people? Because there's a battle going on. The flesh wants to hang on to their flesh. But we've come to present a new kingdom, a different kingdom. But it has to be said in love and in truth. And so I, I feel like I want to just clarify what the truth is. The truth of the matter is, humanity is fallen. We're all lost souls without Christ. We're all doomed to hell and God's wrath without a Savior. But thanks be to God, we have a Savior. His name is Jesus. That's the truth. And so when Jesus came, he came to redeem and to pay the price for our redemption. Thus we have new life, new hope, new purpose. And we look at verse number three in Second John. We talked about it last week. But in this relationship, we have grace and we have mercy and we have peace that's buffeted by love and truth at the end of verse number three. Do you see that? So it's not aimless, it's not, it's not lost, it's not uh, meaningless, it's not powerless. It's, it's grace and mercy and, and peace that's buffeted by love and truth. 
I think verse number four illustrates this principle that John greatly re- is re- greatly rejoicing because he's heard that some of the children of the lady, and if you remember, e- either it's a literal lady and her children, or it's in reference to a church and the offshoot ministries of that church, but he, he's rejoicing that the children are walking in truth. You can't rejoice in someone else's salvation unless you have the truth. And so I want to encourage everyone, when, when someone new gets saved and comes to the Lord and someone's making strides in serving God, we should all be rejoicing because we see it, we feel it, we, we understand what's going on. Romans 3.23, you know this, but all have sinned and fall short of the glory. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God, hallelujah, the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. I want to just stress that so much right now. Eternal life is a tremendous promise. Let me say this also, though, that Jesus said, that the, the enemy, the Satan has come, the thief has come to kill, rob, and destroy. But I've come to give you life and give you abundant life beginning now. Now that doesn't mean the riches of the world. It means an abundance of love and grace and mercy and peace, an abundance of his presence in our lives. I want to just pause for a minute. I want to just pause for a minute. I want to pray against any demonic activity right now. Anything that's oppressing us. Are you, can, you, can you hear what I'm saying? I want to pray against that because that's not of God. And we're in the church of God. You know, on, on, on Thursday night, I had a little part, to, and Pamela, we had a little part to play in the National Day of Prayer. And my topic was to pray for the church. And I quoted a scripture from 2, John, uh, 2 Timothy 3 that the church, the church of God uh, is the... the um, the, church, the house of God, sir. the house of God is the church of the living God. And I, I made the point that we're the house of God. We serve a living Savior. And as such, it's the pillar and groundwork of the truth. There's that word again, the truth. I just want to make a proclamation to any spiritual forces and any people that there's no place in the house of God for demonic or fleshly activity. So let me pray. Father God, in the name and authority of Jesus Christ, Lord, we stand against the wiles of the devil. Lord God, we open up our heart and say, Lord God, come into my life, come into my heart, come into my circumstance, O God. Fix what's wrong, redeem me, help me, O God. Lord, go before me and fight my fight. Lord, we read many times in the Word of God, it's not the person even fighting the spiritual battle, it's you fighting the spiritual battle first. So we're asking you, Lord, fight that battle. Set, the, set those that are captive or oppressed or bogged down or overly worried, set us free, O oh God, that our faith would abound in you. And we thank you and we praise you for that. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So Romans 6, 23b, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. All right, let's look at verses 5 and 6. We're going to go, just go through a couple of things, and then we're going to make application of that. But in verse number 5, John says, I plead with you. I like that intensity of the word plead. You ever have to plead with someone for anything? 
In other words, you, you beg, you implore, you, you appeal with your whole being. You're, you're saying to someone, come on, do this. And John is pleading with the lady or the church. I, I tend to think it's a lady, but it could be a church. The, 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 uh, the verdict is out on that one. But, but I, I plead with you to love one another is what he's saying. I, I heard something the other day which was really interesting to me. I, I heard that when, when people feel loved and they give and receive love, guess what? They live longer. Love is a greater uh, remedy for aging and death than even exercise and healthy foods. That's what I heard. I heard that, that love... Uh, when a baby is born, when a newborn is, is, is in the world, and that little baby is loved and nurtured and coddled and cared for, they, they, are, uh, they have a better sense of health, physical health, mental health, a better sense of self-esteem. Whereas a child that does not receive love from the very first moments of life, they're more apt to have health problems and social disorder, and even an earlier death rate. And so John is saying to the church, and I think the Holy Spirit is saying to the church, listen, the world doesn't have it. The world doesn't have the love. The church has the love. And he's saying, I plead with you. And, I'm, I, and what he's saying, I, I'm not telling you something that we haven't heard already. Now we're in like a 90 AD here. This is 90 AD. So 33 AD is when Jesus left. So for the last 50 plus years, the teaching of the gospel has gone forward. John said, this isn't a new concept. I'm, I'm saying we've heard this from the beginning. Now we could go back to Genesis to talk about this, but let's just start with the words of Jesus. At the Last Supper, I'm still kind of uh, reliving our Good Friday service and that season was so special to me personally. I don't know what it was about it this year, but it really hit me this year. But at, at the Last Supper, uh, after three years of ministry with the apostles, uh, it was time for Jesus to li- literally do what he came to do, which was to go to the cross. But they're celebrating Passover with the 12. He's celebrating Passover with the 12 apostles. Luke's gospel says there was some bickering among the group. Don't you love it? The reality of the word of God. You would think, oh, they would never do that. Oh, yes, they would. And yes, we would too, by the way, but that's another thing. But anyway, there's some bickering. So Jesus demonstrates who's the greatest. They were saying who's the greatest. Jesus demonstrates who's the greatest by washing their feet. Then he goes into a little discussion about how one will betray him that night. And Judas dipped his bread into the dish. And then Judas went out. But then Jesus said to them, We see this in John 13. He says, little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me. And as I told the Jews, where I'm going, you can't go. Now I'm telling you where I'm going, you can't go. I'll be with you for just a little bit longer, like a few more hours. But where I'm going, you can't go. And then he said this, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, so also love one another. All the world will know that you're my disciples by your love for one another. Talk about famous last words. 
this wasn't the last, but it was part of the last part of what Jesus was saying, to love one another. And so, in, in, uh, in uh, 2 John verse 5, we're seeing John is pleading with the lady, go back to the beginning. Don't lose this. I think John's probably, we saw it in 1 John. John is saying, you know what? I was there. I heard it right from Jesus' mouth. And if you study the writings of John, the love of Christ and the love for one another is paramount in his theology. That left such an impression on John that he proclaimed it till the day he went to be home with the Lord. So a new commandment, that you love the body of Christ. Now, now remember, we, we, don't even, we didn't even get to this part yet, but verses 7 through 10 talk about a problem in the church. You know, there's problems in some churches. So he's saying, you know, walk in truth, walk in love, because there's some problems in the church. We'll get to that hopefully next week. The problem was there's false teachers. So you've got to love them, but you've got to love them in truth. And we'll see what that means in a, a little bit. So verse number five, I'm pleading with you. Come on. Go back to the beginning. Remember what Jesus said and love one another. Now, we, he's talking about Christians. He's not even talking about the world here. He's saying to love one another. Now, verse number six is a little bit deeper. He says, he, he gives a little definition of this. What, this, this is love. This is love. That we walk or we live or we do according to Jesus' commandments. The commandments are, are, are also listed in 1 John chapter 4. But from this we, we see that love, it's not like up in the air. It's not like, you know, love is doing. Love is a decision. Love is a... a, 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 a a lifestyle that lives in obedience to the word of God. It's not aimless. It's not baseless. Love does something. Just like when we honor moms, we do something. When men honor their wives, we do something. When we bless our children, we do something. We don't just say, I bless you. We we do it. We follow it up. But I, I asked the question, what commandments? He said, verse 6, this is love that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment that as you have heard from me from the beginning, you should walk in it. So I have to go back and think, what, what's he talking about? I know about you know, loving each other, loving within the body of Christ. But in Matthew 22, Jesus was asked a question. What is the greatest commandment? You know what he said? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and Luke adds strength. You know, love God first. And the second greatest one is kind of like it, but love your neighbor as yourself. And now in John 13, we have a new commandment. So we have all these different layers of love. But verse number six, this is love that we walk in it, that we do something with this love that we received from our father. And this is totally what God has done for us. Jesus said in John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he did something. Paul said, God demonstrates his love and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, if you, if you would, turn with me to 
uh, John chapter 14. But keep your place over there. I want to show you something in John 14. John 14 in verse number 15. It says this. If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. In verse 21 of John 14, we read this. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. I had to really think about that. What do you mean? Who has his commandment? You know what? We have his commandments. We see it. We hear it. We know it in our mind. We have the commandments. But it says, uh, if we keep them, we're demonstrating that we love him. And he who loves me will be loved by my father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. That verse is a very powerful verse of scripture. So we could say, we could look at, the, look at that like the adverse way. Like if we have his commandments and we don't keep them. We're not telling the Lord that we love him. We may say it with our words, but we're not demonstrating our love for him. And he who, who doesn't love me will not be loved by the Father. And, and I, will, I won't manifest myself. To, this is a heavy statement right here. If we walk in disobedience, what it's saying is, I, I can't manifest myself to you. But if you're walking in obedience to the commandments... The Father will love you. I'll love you. I'll manifest myself in you. I'll bless you, take care of you, and so on and so forth. So I want to I talk about walking in love. Uh, we, we talked about some things already. I want to go a little bit deeper into this. So I'm going to share this outline with you. That as we walk in love, number one is this. If we want to walk in love, we have to love God first. You know, love God first. Um, with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. Matthew 6.33 says, seek first. The latest uh, worship song on the top ten of uh, Christ, contemporary Christian music. No. Seek first. Uh, I don't know. Seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness. 1 John 4, 7. It says, John wrote there, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And anyone who loves is born of God. And if we don't love God, we can't love one another. But if we love God, we have this capacity within us to love other people. But I, I want to encourage you to make God, make Jesus the first and foremost thing of importance in your life. Well, how do you, well, you could say, I, I do that. Well, how, how, how does Jesus know that you're doing that? And I'm not saying it's a faith by works at all, but I'm saying your, your faith in God, your love of God will transform how you think and what you do. This really spoke to my heart as I was preparing this week. If we, love, if we say we love God, we have got to keep his commandments. And if we say we love God and we're, not, and we're walking in disobedience, what are we doing? Uh, listen, I, I'm hearing the sound of the trumpet in the background. I'm coming soon. I'm hearing the Lord say, you know, well, you better get your, your house together. I'm coming back for a clean bride, a holy bride. You know, this is, this is one of the messages 
Like we hear it like even in, in Jesus' parables. You know, the ten virgins, for instance. You know, five were ready, five weren't ready. They looked like they were ready, but they weren't ready. And in the church, in the body of Christ, there are those that are ready and those that are not ready. And we don't know who they are, really, because we can't tell. Unless you have some super discernment going on. But, but the first point is love God and, and demonstrate that love for God by how we think and what we do. Now, right, last week I shared this little piece. I feel like the Lord dropped it in my heart. The, the, the story of the widow's might. And she had the least bit of money, but she gave the most. Remember I said that last week? All these other people, they blew trumpets and had made a big fanfare. They had all this money. And Jesus said, forget them. She gave the most. But I, for the first time in my life, I'm thinking, you know what? That, that's true for that. But that principle could be applied in anything. You know, whatever we have the capacity to do, we've got to do it for God. And some of us will have more than others. Let's just face it. Whether it's gifting or time or whatever opportunities, whatever. But whatever we do, whatever we are, we've got to give it all to God. And I just want to encourage you, love God first. Love God for, and, and make choices that will reflect your decision to follow the Lord. You heard my story many times probably. When I first became a Christian back in the day when secular radio was really important to me, I wouldn't even listen to a secular radio station. If I did, I'd say, Lord, forgive me for hearing that. And it wasn't anything really bad about it. It just brought me back to a place I didn't want to go to. But little things like that. What are we doing in obedience to God to be consecrated? To be set aside? To be sanctified? You know, one of the big problems in the church today is that we've incorporated so much of the world into our mindset. It's hard to tell who's who. But love God first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things will be added to you. Okay, so the second thing is this. We see it in Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine. 39. If the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and spirit, the second one is like it, but love your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. And this means to love people. Not so much in the church, just love people. Loving God first gives us the capacity and the the deep wells of love within our heart to love other people. You know why? Because now we begin to see people through the lens of the Holy Spirit. All sinners, all redeemable, all usable for God's kingdom. So we're encouraged, we're taught in the word of God. Love people that are like you. Love people that are not like you. Love people that are younger than you or older than you. Love people that are richer than you or poorer than you. Love people that are healthier than you or sicker than you. Love people, whatever race or culture they come from, but love people. And we'll benefit from that. As we learn to love and to be used by God to love people, we'll be blessed. And I said it before, but there's so much in the world today without love. Where's the, where's the, where's the, where, where will people go to get love from? It's got to come from the church of the living God. We're the pillars and foundation of the truth. 
The truth is the world is lost. The truth is God has come to redeem the world and he's working through the body of Christ. That's us to make a difference. So love God and love people. And again, like with the widow's might, your capacity to love all people for some may be greater than for others for whatever reason. There may be issues, problems, things you grew up with, I don't know, but whatever. But whatever you have to give, love people. I think if you begin to exercise that, the Lord will give you more of a capacity to love in a greater fashion. It's like priming the pump. (laughs) Number three is this, to love Christians. And someone will say, why do you say that? I'm saying it because John said it. You would think that would be a byproduct. Yeah, well, it should be, but John's saying, I'm pleading with you, lady. Love those around you. I plead with you. I implore you. Don't hold back your love for the body of Christ. Some people do a great job loving the lost. They don't love, they don't exercise love within the body so much. They're so focused out there that they neglect what's in here. But Love Christians. John 13, 34. A new command. So we have the greatest commandments. Love God, love people. The new commandment, love one another. Love your brothers and sisters in Christ. Here's a definition of a Christian. Anyone who repents of sin, places their trust and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and follows Christ. Sometimes I share the ABCs of salvation. Admit you're a sinner, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, confess your sins to God, and confess your faith to the world. Anyone who does that is a brother or sister in Christ. That's why National Day of Prayer was so special. There were people from, I don't know, six or seven different churches here. I didn't know most of them. But we all got together in the name of Jesus, loving on each other and loving the Lord together. It was really very special. So I want to encourage you to love Christian people. Now, I'll be the first one to say, sometimes that's hard to do. (laughs) I knew that would get at least one amen. Well, there's some reasons why. Uh, One reason why is that there's doctrinal issues. You know, Uh, know, different uh, denominations have a little different slant on things. I will leave you with this saying that came from, I think, in the 1600s. In essentials, unity In non-essentials, liberty, but in all things, charity. In other words, in the essentials of the faith, Jesus has come to redeem the world. Ding, that's an essential. Salvation through Christ alone, bing, that's an essential. We're all lost and going to God's wrath in hell without Christ. That's an essential. What time we meet on Sunday morning is not an essential. How many times we meet there, not not an essential. But in all things, let there be charity. But there's another problem in loving Christians. There's personality issues. And in a, in a church, uh, because of the nature of the church, we get to know each other. We want to pray for each other and find out, you know, how we could pray, how we could help. We get involved. And ideally, that's a great situation. But in reality, sometimes personalities clash. I just, I'll leave you with this one thought. We're all a work in progress. And maybe God wants to use someone to maybe rub you a little bit to make you better. You know, maybe that's what's going on, perhaps. 
I just want to encourage you to love, love Christians. It's a mandate from the Lord. It's one of the last things he said, love within the body of Christ. It's essential. Now, I want to, I want to go into another area. You could take your Bible. Turn with me to Luke chapter 6. And I want to give you, give you a few more things to think about regarding walking in love. You know what the Bible says? And now, now this is Jesus' teaching at the Sermon on the Mount. He's, of all things he said, he said, you know what? Love your enemies. Well, that, that's a mouthful right there. What do, what do you mean? So it's kind of like, I don't know, expected maybe that we're going to have them? I don't like to admit it, but I guess so. There may be people that don't like me or like you or whatever. Maybe I don't like somebody. I don't know. I never thought of it that way. But, but, but he says, love your enemies. He says it in Luke 6, 27 and Luke 6, 35. He says, love your enemies. This is one of the greatest teachings ever in the whole wide world. The Sermon on the Mount. Love your enemies. And yeah, he's addressing... His, the believers, but he's also making a general statement for people to love your enemies. But in verse 27, this just really shakes me. He says, do good to those who hate you. Oh, really? Well, if we're going to walk in love, guess what? We're going to do good to people that hate us. Now, you, know, you could take this anywhere you want, but you could take it as I mean, there's a, there's a whole battle for pro-life and pro-choice and all that going on. There's a lot of hate going on. There's a whole lot of hate in the, the gay agenda, the, the same sex, the whole lot of hate going on. But, but Jesus said, love your enemies, do good to those that hate you. And he says, Jesus is always going a little bit deeper, you know. And then he says, bless those who use you. You ever feel used? I felt used before. I, I, had a, I had a friend named Phil many years ago, and uh, he, he, owned, he owned a, uh, a dry cleaners. And he, he would tell this story all the time. Man, people always come into my store, and they're asking me for $10, $20, and I, I always give it to them. I'm not going to do it anymore. I said, Phil, man, you have to realize they're hurting. They're messed up, but they don't respect you. But you know what? Bless them and do it for the Lord. Do it for the Lord. I've kept that in the back of my mind. There are people that will use we Christians. But it does say, it does say to bless them. How do we bless people that use us? Well, we would be kind back. We don't retaliate. We maybe give them money or whatever, but whatever. We, we just bless them. We pray for them. It says, pray, pray for those that spitefully use you. Wow. So now, now we're, we're like this whole walking in, like, do you really want to do this? Because, see, when you, you didn't know, when you, you said yes to Jesus, you signed up to walk in love. I didn't know it at the time. I learned it as we go along. I'm still learning it now. But love your enemies? Like, oh, man. How many of us were brought up to love your enemies? Well, maybe, but, you know, you don't associate with them. They're over there. But Jesus says, no, no, no. You bless them. You pray for them. You, you be kind to them. You, you, uh, you do good to them. Verse number 30, uh, let's see, verse number 35 says, do good and, and give to them. And don't expect anything in return. In other words, man, you, when you love your enemy, you demonstrate your love. You have to know, this is speaking to my heart here. You know, there's people in our lives that, 
whatever, there's issues and problems. But the word of God says, you're a Christian person. You've got to walk in love. Yeah, you love God and you love people and you love Christians, but now you have to love your enemies. <laughs> the Lord is just going deeper. He's like, like turning the knife one more time. And it says in verse number uh, 35, he says, uh, listen to this. Love your enemies, do good, lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great. Oh, I love that part. I want the, I want the reward. I don't know if I want to do what it takes to get the reward, but I want the reward. And you'll, be, you'll be the sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the unthankful and evil. The God is, hey, before we came to know Christ, wasn't he kind to us? He accepted us as we were. I don't know about you. I wasn't a bargain in those days. I was an enemy of God, but he loved me and accepted me. And now he's saying, you who have received Christ, you love your enemies. You do good to them. You bless them. You pray for them. And you'll be blessed in doing so. That's a really strong statement. Let me give you the fifth one here. As a Christian, as as we're walking in love, we've got to cultivate the idea of loving to give. We love giving. Luke 6.38 says, Give, and it'll be given back to you, measure for measure, pressed down and running over, will flow out of your heart for the same measure that you give, the same, it'll come back to you, you'll be blessed. And I have to raise the question, what, give what? My first reaction is give money, you know? Give money and you'll be blessed. But he's really not speaking about money per se. If you follow along with this outline, in verse number 29 of Luke 6, he says, if you get struck in the face, turn the other cheek. Whoa. Whoa. Now where I come from. Hello? But I, I forgot, I changed my address. I'm over here now. Okay. <laughs> was that old man is, you know, dies hard. I, I call this like giving your soul. You got to give your soul. How can you deal with that? How can you take someone's abuse on you? It, it's, you're letting your soul go. It's like sometimes I've, oh, I'll get, get a little personal here, but I, I, over the years of ministry, Uh, Maybe this will be enlightening for some of you. Maybe some of you not. But there are occasions when someone will come to me as the pastor and put their finger in my face and tell me a thing or two. And I've got to deal with that. And and my flesh, I'm saying... (laughs) Right? But Jesus said, no, no, no. You have to be giving. Give give yourself to that. Because you know why? The abuse you take from that person may be part of that person's healing. Someone's got to absorb it, and you're not going to absorb it by yourself anyway. God is with you. God is your strength. God is your hope. God is using you to bring him into the picture. So you take it. You just take it. You learn to be a giving soul in that way. I mean, you could take the same principle with with your time. I don't have time to do that. Give your time away. God will multiply your time later. The way you give yourself to that situation, that person will be blessed immensely. They don't know that you're struggling and finding time to do it. They don't need to know. But you're giving your soul to it. And God will replenish your time. 
Look, verses 29 and 30, give your, it says, give your things away. Can I get into this for a minute? Most of us have too many things. We could, uh, you know, do well to get rid of a few things. Which reminds me of a story. Someone uh, in a church had a, got a new piano. And uh, they decided to give the old piano to the church. And the pastor said, well, I appreciate that, but uh, I don't want your old piano. I want your new piano. And the person was crushed that the pastor would say that. But what I'm saying is when we give, give the best that we have to God. I mean, it's easy to give things away that we don't need. (laughs) How about giving away some things that you need or you think you need? But anyway, this, is, this talks about clothing, belongings, and so forth. Give things away. Be a giving person. But it really gets better in verse 36. Give mercy away. Oh. Remember what mercy is? Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Oh, that guy. Oh, one of these days. No, no. Be, give him mercy. God gave you mercy. Give your mercy away. Well, I don't have any mercy. Get it from God and then give it away. You may not have it in yourself. Again, it's like the widow's might. You may have just a little bit of mercy because of your life. You may have, you, you may have you know, boundaries up or things up to, to kind of protect you from getting involved. But there's a little bit in there. Give that little bit away. Like prime the pump and let God use that. Verse 37 he says, uh, give your forgiveness away. Oh, my goodness. It just goes deeper. It's one thing to turn your cheek. I could do that. I'll walk away. Now I have to forgive? Now it's in my mind. <laughs> you know, It's in my spirit. It's, in, it's, it's more than just walking away. It's, it's like it's my being. So he says, give your mercy away, verse 36, and be merciful like your father is merciful toward you. And then verse 37, give your forgiveness away. And you will be forgiven by your Father. Anyone need some forgiveness around here besides me? The way we forgive others is the way God forgives us. That's a powerful, powerful statement. Jesus said, God so loved the world that he gave. I want to encourage you, church, cultivate the idea of being a giving person with things, time, giftings, whatever you have, give it away. And it'll be measured back to you, you know. It'll be, you'll receive back from the Lord in overflowing. In other words, you can't outgive God. And I know what people are saying, because I, I do it too. I don't have time. Well, you know what? You, somehow you carve it out. You, you, it might be the widow's might time, but you give what you can. And God will use that. Okay, I want to go back to to John. The last one is this. Okay, so we are walking in love. Love God, love people, uh, love Christians, love your enemies, love giving, and now love the truth. So this is a tricky one because we can't let love overpower truth and we can't let truth overpower love as i said in the beginning they work together and they they create a very strong dynamic that god uses to get his point across case in point verses 7 through 10 
they're, they're deceivers. There's false prophets in the church. So someone would say, well, you have to love them. Well, yeah, yeah you do. But that's, well, well, wait a minute. How, how, how can you love them like that when they're not of the same accord as you are? Well, you love them. You let love overcome everything. But John says, you know what? Look at verse number 10. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this, this doctrine, the doctrine that, that he's talking about, don't receive him into your house and don't even greet him. For he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. I'm just saying you have to love truth enough that your love will be buffeted, will be tempered by the truth of God's word. In other words, we love people. We love people. But you know what? If they're out there doing some crazy sinful things, well, we love them, but we can't accept what they're doing. We have to find out how to communicate that without turning them away from God or from the church. But we have to know we can't just accept everything that comes down the pike where love just covers everything. Well, yeah, yes and no, but where's the truth in the matter? The truth in the matter, God came to deliver you. So you don't have to be doing that anymore. Yeah, but you don't know this and that. I love you, but. John's saying you can't even fellowship with them. You can't embrace them as a brother or sister. Now, James 5 talks about there may be some of us that turn a a brother or sister that walked away. There may be some of us that turn them back to the truth. Praise God. That's always a possibility. But we can't compromise the truth because of love. I look at it this way. With love and truth, there's always forgiveness and mercy and grace, but there's also accountability involved. Everything must be subject to Christ. Every word, every thought, every deed must be under the microscope of Christ. So I may be in a situation where I forgive somebody, but I'm still holding someone accountable to make it right with God. That's love and truth. And vice versa. If I offend someone and someone forgives me, well, they need to hold me accountable that I'm going to make this right with them and with God. I want to be held accountable. So when we're held accountable with love and truth, guess what? According to Ephesians 4, 15, we mature. Otherwise, we, don't, we say the same. And life just goes on and we get confused and we don't know what's clear and what's unclear. We don't know what's right, what's wrong. Everything is just going, going, going. But no, when there's love and truth, there's clarity, there's boundaries. We love and we we give truth as well. So we need to learn to walk with discernment, walk with the Holy Spirit, and to walk in truth, verses 1 through 4, and now walk in love. Amen? So in in conclusion, why don't we stand together? We're going to wrap this up. If we're going to walk in love, based on verses 5 and 6, we're going to love God. We're going to love people. Uh, You know, I, I was at the store the other day. I was at Market Basket's competitor. I don't want to. <laughs> Sorry, Jacob. I know you've worked for Market. <laughs> but listen, listen. I get into the shortest line. I'm out of here in a minute. I, you know, like most guys, we go in, we make the kill, and we get out. I'm in line, and the guy in front of me has this chicken. And the tag is not registering on the thing that they put over there, the, the barcode. I'm waiting five minutes. 
That's a long time to wait in the supermarket. For me, it's an eternity. Six minutes, I'm ready to... <laughs> and now there's someone behind me and I can't get out. I got someone in front of me that's holding up... The, and someone behind me with the whole thing of groceries and I'm stuck in the middle with my little thing I wanted to get. I'm saying, okay, Lord, what am I doing here? But, you know, just be patient. Love people. The poor guy behind the counter, I felt bad for him. He was getting panicky. And uh, it, it resolved itself. No harm was done. It's, whenever, it's like getting stuck in traffic behind a slowpoke. That ever happened? Lord, will you tell them to speed up a little bit? Come on, man, I've got to go. And the Holy Spirit always tells me, he's going slow for your sake. You're, too, you're in too big of a hurry. It happens more often than I want to admit. But anyway, love God, love people, love Christians, Love your enemies, love giving, and love the truth. Walk in the truth and walk in love. So verse number six. This is love that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment that as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. Can we say it together one time? This is love that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment that as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. Amen. Every head bowed for just a moment. Hallelujah. Hmm. It's a tall order, isn't it? Walk in love. Most of us would say, if it was just me and God, I got no problem. It's everybody else I have a problem with. But if you think about those six things I listed, only one of them had to do with God. The other five had to do with people. out in just a minute. You go before I know that you've gone to win my war. You come back with the head of my enemies. You come back and you call it my victory.
just share this please some of us today we're so focused on our trouble on our trial on our problem we don't see our helper we don't see our defender we don't see him because our eyes are fixed on the burden but I know today the Lord says no you look away from your burden that's mine that belongs to me I bore that on the cross you turn to me now And you just lift your voice. I know you don't feel like it. I know you're tired. I know you're weary. I know you don't want to sing. I know you don't want to lift your voice. But I call you now. Worship me. Just look unto me now. I'm the author and the finisher of your faith. I'm the victor over this battle in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Every enemy has been brought down in the name of Jesus. Yes. Praise Him. All I did was worship. 
Jesus. All I did was worship. Oh, bow down before him. All we do is bow down now, Lord. All I did was stay still. 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 Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I wonder if there's somebody here today that needs to receive God's love. Anyone? I need to receive God's love today. I need to know I'm forgiven and cleansed. Let me leave you with this one thought. Walking in love, right? That's our theme, walking in love. Can I put a little bug in your ear? It's probably going to begin at home. It's easy to love people even in the the church. (laughs) But I think the Lord would say, let that love begin at home. Let the family resonate with love however that hits you can we all step out and just gather around the front real quick we're going to pray over you come on we're going to pray and uh, then you're free to fellowship or go out to dinner for Mother's Day or whatever you're going to do dear Father we want to thank you Lord for your grace and mercy Lord, we see it in 2 John, verse 3. There's grace and mercy and peace available for us. will be with us as we walk in this love and truth. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy and your peace. I want to pray, Lord, for everyone here to sense that presence of God. Those at home sensing the presence of God. Lord, we pray as we, as we say amen here, uh, we're not saying amen to what you're doing. We're just saying, Lord, let it be. Let it, let it now take on a new life as we walk out these doors. Let there be a great opportunity to walk in love. Help us, Lord, to walk in obedience to your word. And Lord, again, I, I, in my heart, someone's feeling accused, accused. The accuser of the brethren is accusing some of us today. But Jesus says, I'm your defender. We've been singing it. I'm your defender, great defender. So, Father, one more time, we put all those voices under the blood of Jesus. And we step out in faith and we step out in love that we're going to do this with your power working within us. And we're going to help each other do it as well. So I just pray your blessing over Mother's Day, over those celebrating, over those that aren't celebrating. Let there be a strong sense of your love and your grace and your peace with us today. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, we pray. And everybody said, amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Oh, li- Listen, church, I have one more announcement to make. I kind of waited for a while. Um, many of you remember the Durning family. They were here maybe... Seven, eight years ago, Mike Durning worked up at North Point. 
they were they were with us for I don't know a year maybe. They had four children. Uh, the four kids were involved in our youth group. But the second daughter, Carrie, went home to be with the Lord this past week. She had a sickness, and so our prayers are with the family at this time. Just wanted to not- notify the church of that. Let me let me pray for them real quick. Father, we pray for the Durning family, Mike and Marie, and the other children, grown children now. But Lord, we don't understand why, but we we give it to you. We pray that uh, the love of Christ and the love of the church, the love of people would flood their hearts and help them through this very difficult time. Thank you that Carrie was walking with you. So we rejoice she's with you. But we pray for the family to be comforted by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you.